Okay, we're going to continue our series on the book of Isaiah. Uh, Kathy, Kathy uh, from Queenian uh, organized a series, uh, um, which we're, we're doing over the next few weeks. And last week, uh, we're looking at Isaiah 40 to 43. Um, and just a, just a little bit of background for those that weren't here last week. Uh, Isaiah was a prophet and... Um, as, as all prophets do, just reminding Israel who they are, and and from 39 to from chapter one to 39, as I was talking directly to uh, Israel at that time. Uh, but then after that, in chapter 40, we get 150 years. Potentially, that's what they predict. There was 150 years ahead in the future that Isaiah was talking to the future Israel. And, and Kathy even talked about how this message is also for us as well. And she talked about. Last week, she talked about being a voice, um, how God has given us a voice to proclaim uh, the goodness of God and a voice that's in the wilderness to prepare hearts and something that John the Baptist also declared as well, that his role was to prepare hearts for Christ, which is the same for us. God has given us a voice to, procla- to proclaim the kingdom and to prepare hearts for Christ. I was just thinking, as Kathy was sharing that last week, I was just thinking about um, salesmen, and now, for those that don't know, when I first moved to Canberra, I actually wor- worked in a sports store, and I used to love Sacconis. Does anyone know, heard of the brand Sacconis shoes? Yeah? Some do, some don't. Well, I used to love Sacconis. They were comfortable. I, I used them as the runners, and in this sports store I was working, they did not sell Sacconis. But because I love my shoes so much, I decided to wear them anyways. Unfortunately, the boss pulled me aside and said, you can no longer wear Sacconis while you're in this store selling different products that aren't Sacconis. But the thing is, he explained to me why I shouldn't wear Sacconis. He said, if you're going to be a salesman, you need to understand the importance of what you're selling. And if you're telling a different message because you're wearing something different to what you're actually selling you'll lose your effectiveness. And, and so I uh, did a bit of research on the shoes that I was selling and fell in love with Asics. And so Asics I now wear uh, is my shoe. Uh, but I was just thinking about this is the same with being the voice. You know, I think as Christians, if we don't truly know what we're being a voice of, you know, who, you know, and we, we know the best salesmen are the ones that know their products well. They're passionate about their products. And as Christians, I think sometimes we're counterfeits. You know, and I, I think that uh, for some of us, we don't truly know who God is. And yet we're trying to sell this message. And I know that people, they can smell a mile away if you're not being authentic. And so... I really want to use that to to be an effective witness. We need to know who God is and the power. Uh, And I think all of us would know that we've been through seasons where we've known God, like we've we've seen what He has done in our life and we've come from that place. Maybe you haven't been quite there and you're still seeking and searching that. But we see this in Scripture. There is a pattern in Scripture that I see this and I think this is just a human thing. We see people passionate about God, but somewhere down the line or journey, they just lose track. They just, just veer their eyes to something else. And this just seems to be a common theme in the Old Testament, as I read. 
and and we see that you know the prophets come along and it's like the prophets are just reminding people who God is and tries to direct them uh, and this is no different to what Isaiah was doing Isaiah in, in 41 he says this and, and this is what I think seems to be a common thing that gets our eyes going this way away from God I mean and, and I just want to share what Isaiah says and then we'll talk about it um, tonight that because this is what's affecting us from being an effective messenger. This is what is affecting us from being the voice that we have called to be. And Isaiah says this in verse 22, he says, Tell us, you idols, what is going to happen? Tell us what the former things were, so that we may consider them and know their final outcome. Or declare to us the things to come. Tell us what the future holds, so we may know that you are God's. Do something, whether good or bad, so that we will be dismayed and filled with fear. But you are less than nothing, and your works are utterly worthless. Whoever chooses you is detestable. And then he finishes off the chapter and says, See, they are all foolish, worthless things. All your idols are empty as the wind. I think that version is a little bit different to the version I'm reading from. Idols. These are the things that seem to take us away from our eyes from God. And this is something that I see throughout Scripture. It seems to be a common theme. The, the, the nation of Israel seemed to just get caught on idols. And, you know, I, I think this may be a common theme with human nature. I don't think this is just about the Israelites. I mean, I see things in the New Testament where, uh, again, people reminding to keep the path, set their eyes on Christ. And so we can easily read things in Scripture, and I, I'm definitely in this place, and I, I tell myself, wow, I'm not like those people. You know, and without understanding the context, you know, we, we, just, we just think, oh, that's not something I need to worry about. And I just want to encourage you and just something to share that I just want to put a warning Let's not let our pride get in the way of thinking that we are better than what we are. Because I, like I said, I think idols, and I'll, I'll delve into this, idols are still something that we struggle with today that you may not realize. And the reason why you may not realize is because maybe they're not as right in your face like maybe for them in that time. But again, I want to delve into it. But I just, the reason why I put a warning there it's because this is the same stance that the religious leaders had. And they looked at prophets in Scripture with fondness and as heroes of the faith. And often, just to give you a bit of context, when the prophets came, the Israelites didn't actually like them. A lot of the, the Israelites actually, and in fact, some of the prophets actually got killed by the Israelites. And Jesus, and this is what Jesus said to the, the religious leaders in Matthew 23, He says, Teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you build tombs for the prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous. And you say, if we had lived in the days of our ancestors, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. Jesus is saying to them, you're no different to the Israelites. 
you think, you think that you, you are better and you, you raise these prophets on the level, but this is Jesus speaking, I'm the ultimate prophet. I'm the prophets of prophets. And here you are not listening to me. And so I guess I put this warning because I just want us to realize that we all have blind spots. And so I just want you to come tonight with humility, humility, correctness, and let's, let's, let's discuss what idols are and what idolatry is for our context that we're living in today. And so what are, what are idols? Well, God commanded the Israelites, and these are the first two commandments, it says, you shall have no other gods before me. And, and in, you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. So God, God, just to understand, God had just brought the Israelites out of Egypt, and Egypt was a place of many gods. I mean, they would have gods for everything. So if you could think of something that, just you name it, there was a god for water, god for anything that you could think of. And unfortunately, this culture had crept in to the Israelites. And now they had God the Father, but they were, were allowing these other idols to come in place and be level with God. And so God brings this commandment. Now, I just want to point here, when God made this commandment, it wasn't the objects that were the problem. It was the hearts. Now, often I, I know some people that, or family members that are Buddhists or uh, other religions, and they have these idols statues in their, their house, and we often think they're terrible, that's, that's shocking, you shouldn't have it in there, what are you doing? And, and yes, they can be a problem, but it's got more to do with that person's heart than it does with the idol. Now, if that statue is affecting your heart, then yes, we may should cut that off. But if I walk into that house and see those, they're not affecting my heart, then they're a problem for me. And so it's more about the heart than the actual things. And so to understand that, that idols, when we make idols, it's not about these statues. Tim Keller's definition of an idol is anything more fundamental than God to your happiness, meaning in life, or identity. Whatever you love more than God is your idol. This is what God was meaning. The Israelites were raising things higher than God. They were putting their trust, their meaning of life, their happiness in these things, and they took away from that being in God. Now, I understand why the world makes idols. And the reason why is because we, we were made to worship. We were made to have contentment and happiness the problem is the world doesn't know God. And so what does the world do? They look to fulfill that hole in their heart. And when they don't know God, they look towards earthly things. They look, and for us in our context, that can be things like a spouse. It can be things like family. It can be things like a house. It can be things like a career. Now, don't mishear me. These are good things. The problem is when we take these good things and make them superior. 
and then put our desire and our heart into those things. Again, it's about the hearts, not the things. And so they focus on the gifts and not the giver. These gifts become their gods, their idols. Tim Keller says, when anything in life is an absolute requirement for your happiness and self-worth, it is essentially an idol, something you are actually worshipping. When such a thing is threatened, your anger is absolute. Your anger is actually the way the idol keeps you in its service, in its chains. Therefore, if you find that, despite all the efforts to forgive, your anger and bitterness cannot subside, you may need to look deeper and ask, what am I defending? What is so important that I cannot live without? It may be that until someone in ordinate desires, identified and confronted, you will not be able to master your anger. And so, to be honest, we shouldn't expect anything different from the world. That's quite normal, to look for things, to fill that void. But what about for us as believers? Why do we fall into this temptation? Why do we veer off God and knowing that we can find contentment in Him? And, you know, I just want to encourage you that just because you've been going to church every Sunday, joining a Lifecom, reading your Bible, doesn't mean you don't have idols in your life. I mean, religious leaders did all those things. They prayed, they fasted. You know, I think often we look at the Israelites and think, oh, wow, they must have been so corrupt. No, they still were doing the religious things. Yet, they were adding, they were looking outside of God, seeking. And so, I just want to warn us that, that we do not want to fall into the same trap as the world. And I think as Christians, why we may seek for idols or seek for those things to comfort us or, and I think that maybe one of the reasons is contentment. We are not fully content in God. You know, I think uh, this, this is, it may be because God has, hasn't answered some of the things that you wanted You know, and I know there are things that you're going, I wish I had this, I wish I wanted that, and you've prayed about it and God didn't give it. So you, you lose this contentment in God and you seek something else because God's not giving it to you. And I just want to, want to encourage you, God doesn't give what you want. He gives you what you need. Unfortunately, we don't realize what we need sometimes. We often think our wants is what our needs are. But God is, he, he's, he's going, no, this is not going to help you. This is not going to help you. We're, this is not going to bring contentment. And, and I understand it's hard. In this world, it's hard. And I know that for some that you have been praying for certain things. And you are hoping that God would pull through. And I, I'm not sitting here talking about suffering that's a whole nother message. But what I know is that the message of God is that, yes, maybe things outside aren't going well, but God brings contentment inside, in those situations. 
As much as there, there are preachers out there that they say, when you come to God, you will get this and this and this, these worldly things, that's not the gospel message that I read. The gospel message is that you will get this, a heart that is pure, a heart that is clean, a heart that is filled with joy and peace and patience and self-control, love, even though the things around you are not going well. Because we live in a sinful world. God's not up there puppeteering every person's move. God, God is in charge, but He's not in control. God doesn't bring evil. And so I just want to encourage you, He will bring what you need. And that may be hard to see in the situation, but are you content with God, what God is giving you? And I just want to encourage you that if you haven't found that contentment, seek Him more. Push in more. Because what I read in Scripture is that we should receive that contentment. When we seek Him wholeheartedly, and I guess the question is, this is not a, a partial obedience. This is a full, fully stepping in, giving everything for Him. And that's when He says that He will promise these things. The other reason that I think that maybe we, we get caught with idols is because we covet. For those that are new in the church, you're probably like, what does the word covet mean? Covet is a thing where we desire to have that we don't have. It's usually peering over the next door neighbor's place and we see something that they have that I don't have and I want it. And isn't that what we see on social media? <laughs> and again, this is what, it starts with contentment. And when we're not content, we start to covet things. And I think covet is a part of why we do such terrible things. I think covet is, is a part of why people murder. It's part of why people commit adultery. Because they want something, they're not, they're not in content in their relationship with their spouse, so they, they go out, they covet something they don't have, and they seek after it. And this is why I think also we, we do with, with why we make idols, because we're not content with God, and then we see things that we think are going to be good for us, or we want more, or we want, and, and it just becomes... And then we see the things on social media. And, and I just want to tell you, those that, and maybe this is just me, and maybe I'm a bit cynical at times, but when you see people posting all these great things of their life in, in social media, can I encourage you that maybe on the inside it's not going so well? They're portraying this perfect life. But often that's because they want recognition. They're looking for contentment. They're looking for your acknowledgement. And so they're empty on the inside because only God can fulfill that. Yet we look at those things and go, wow, I wish I had that because that's the flesh. The flesh desires what the flesh wants, but the Spirit desires what the Spirit needs and the Spirit needs God. And so I just want to encourage you that these may be the two things that cause us, what are the answers to those things? 
You know, I think in the church we're very quick to go, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. But I, I think there's something that trumps these things and I, I, I truly believe that we won't get trapped in this obligation and don't, don't, don't. It's, it's actually what God gives us is the gift. And I think what happens is we forget who God is. This is why. This is why we, we start to seek other things, because we forget the power of the universe, the God of this universe. We forget who He is. We forget how He loves us. We forget His power. We forget how He brings joy. We forget His peace. And I know that some of you have experienced that, but along, along the lines, we forget, and we need to come back. And I, as I read the prophets, this is what they remind the church, this is what they remind Israel is who God is and how powerful He is. I mean, think of this God. This God parted the seas. This God brought water out of rock. This God put Jesus on the cross for us so that we, because He loves us, so we could have eternal life. And this is what Isaiah says, For I hold you by your right hand, I the Lord your God, and I say to you, don't be afraid. I am here to help you. Though you are a lowly worm, O Jacob, I just want to remind us, we are lowly. You know, people often say to me, Kate, I just don't feel worthy of God. You know what I say? You aren't worthy. God is worthy. God is worthy and we aren't. We are lowly. But because of Him, He makes us right. We don't have to come with perfection. We just have to come with our hearts and our minds to, to put at His feet. And I say to you, don't be afraid, I'm here to help you. Don't be afraid, people of Israel, for I will help you. I am the Lord, your Redeemer. I am the Holy One of Israel. Verse 17, when the poor and needy search for water and there is none and their tongues are parched from thirst, then I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will never abandon them. I will open up rivers for them on the high plateaus. I will give them fountains of water in the valleys. I will fill the desert with pools of water. Rivers fed by springs will flow across the parched ground. I will plant trees in the barren desert, cedar, kaya, myrtle, olive, cypress, fir, and pine. I am doing this so all who see this miracle will understand what it means. That is the Lord who has done this, the Holy One of Israel who created it. See, I think why we seek for idols because we forget who our God is. We forget His power. We forget the good things that He has done in our lives. And... And this is why Paul tells us and reminds us in Colossians 3, he says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who, who's our life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. You know, I often uh, say to, to others that may be really struggling and, and don't see God or 
maybe you haven't experienced God in the last few weeks doing something through you, I just want to remind you of salvation, the gift of salvation. You know, Paul talks about that. He talks about the gift of salvation and reminds the church, you know, if we don't get anything in this life, anything but we get salvation, that's enough. That's a great gift. That's the ultimate gift that we could ever receive. And I think this is what Paul's saying. Set your eyes on Christ to remind us of what He has done for us. This is the key to staying content. To understand what Christ had done for us. That through Christ we lack absolutely nothing. You know, Jesus says, you come to me and the kingdom is yours. You come to me and you have eternal life. And I want to to say the enemy will try to take you off this path. Why do I know that? Because he's been doing it since the beginning of time. He did it to Adam and Eve in in, in the Garden of Eden. He did it and tried to do it. To Jesus in the desert. He tried to get Jesus, the Son of God, to seek provision outside of God. He didn't want Jesus to be content. He tried to tempt him into coveting things, but Jesus refused because he knew that it led to death. Don't you think that the enemy will try this same strategy with us? You know, I've, I've searched the world. I've been there and I've tried it. I've looked. And as the song says, it, it, it never fulfills you. And I've seen many seek the worldly things. And for a time, at times, it does feel great. But like anything, it slowly dies. But what I know about God, He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He's never changed. He's been the same God ever since the beginning. And you will never find anything outside of Him. Nothing that will fulfill you. They'll never fill that heart, that void in your heart. You can seek for it. You can search for it. And you may, you think you have found it. But I can tell you, you'll be disappointed. You know, if you're seeking to have a family with kids and think that this is the ultimate of life, can I tell you, your kids will grow up. They'll get older. And they'll do their own path and they'll have their own journey. And they will disappoint you at times. May disappoint you a lot. You know, your spouse, if you, if you, you know, you, or your boyfriend or girlfriend, you may think, wow, I found this perfect person. Can I tell you, there is no perfect person. They're going to disappoint you at times. 
But God never fails. And God will always come through. He will always shine. And if we're going to be a powerful witness, if we're going to be that voice that Kathy talks from, we need to speak from a heart that is content. We need to speak from a heart that is transformed. We need to speak from a place where we know how good our God is, how awesome He is. We need to stop listening to the enemy, telling us that there are greater things out there. There is not. I've been there. And I know many of you have tried as well. And you will not find fulfillment. Only God is where your heart is. You were made for Him. You were made to be with Him, to be one with the Father. And so I want to encourage you to set your eyes on Him. Seek Him. Two questions to ponder this week. What is driving your behavior and your emotions? J.D. Greer says, when something becomes so important to you that it drives your behavior and commands your emotions, you are worshiping it. I want God to drive our behavior and our emotions. The second question is, have you found contentment in God? Be honest with yourself. You know, I think the reason that maybe some of us are struggling to share the gospel with our friends and it's not, maybe it's not because of fear, maybe because we're not fully content in God. Maybe we don't truly know who He is because it says that love will drive out fear. And so have you found that true contentment? Because when I see people's hearts being changed, nothing stops them from sharing the gospel. I mean, I've got a friend that, uh, who's just attending our church, and I didn't even have to tell him to tell people. He just went and told his family anyways, because he'd seen the shift in his life. He's seen his heart change. He saw the things that he was struggling with go away. And this is an ongoing daily thing that we need to do, is finding contentment in God, because we can easily fall off to the side. I've been there, I've done that, and it is sometimes a roller coaster. But Jesus is the bread of life. He is the food and source that we need. And I I truly believe as we seek and push into Him, as we let go of those things, maybe you haven't found contentment because you're not willing to let go of the earthly things. But I, I, I read Scripture and God promises His promise that you will. And so it's got more to do with us than it does Him. And so I want, to ask, I want you to sit this week and just seek the Lord, seek to ask Him to search your heart. Who are the people that you need to let go of? Who are the people you need to forgive? And just, just allow God and the Holy Spirit to work on you, to, to just bring that joy and peace in you. 
And I just want, I want to remind you to remember who God is. In fact, actually I want us tonight, I just want us to just, just to sit in groups and just, just share the good things that God, who God is, what God has done in your life, because I think sometimes we just need to be reminded. Sometimes we need to go back to our first love. That's what Scripture tells us, that we need to be reminded of what God has done in our life to, to remind us who He is. And as a church, I think sometimes we can come and share the struggles that we go through the week, and that's fine. I want this to be a safe place, but do we share the good things? Do we share the good things that God has been doing around us, in us, through us? Because I think some of us need that encouragement. When we haven't heard Him or seen Him for, in our lives for, for a few weeks, the church is to come together and encourage each other, not go out more disappointed. And so I just want us to come around tonight and just share the good things that God has done. What He has done in your life. And I just think that when we hear each other, we just go, wow, how good is our God? How great is He? I know what God has done through me. I've seen healings that are miracles. I've seen people come off drugs, being transformed. I've seen people just continually lost with mental health and go the other way. So I want to encourage you that, you know what? Sometimes you may be struggling yourself, but often to hear what God is doing is just reminding you that actually, you know what, God hasn't forgotten me. He's here. That's what Scripture says. He says He's here. So I just want you to break together and just, just share the good things that God's been doing. And let's, I'll just pray. Father, I just thank you that we can... Yeah, I just pray that we're not a church that comes together and, and walks out more discouraged. I just pray, Father, that we walk out encouraged by you and be reminded how great you are, how good you are. You remind us in the scriptures of what you do. You have brought walls down. You have parted the sea. You have fed thousands. Father, you do good things. And this is not just a time in scripture. This, this is today. You continue to do good things. And I just, want, I just pray that we as a church are reminded of who you are, that we can only find our contentment in you. We will only find our peace in you. We will only find joy in you. Amen.